Praise the Lord. Today the title of the message is, I am Joseph. I'd like us to turn to Genesis 37. I'm going to do a quick review of Joseph's life and then bring some principles and truth by the Holy Spirit. The story of Joseph is familiar to many of us, but there may be some here to which it is not. Out of Genesis 37 to 50, you have the story of the life of Joseph, one of the great men of God in the Bible. And I want to just take one quick section in Genesis 37 and then review some things as we go forward. Genesis 37, 3 to 8 says, Now Israel, or Jacob, his father, Jacob loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Verse 9. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? Come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. The father kept this dream, this word of the Lord, in his spirit and pondered it. Joseph young son of Jacob. Joseph had 10 older brothers and a younger brother called Benjamin. By the time Joseph was 17 years of age, he had prophetic dreams from the Lord in his heart. As we've read these dreams, dreams that he would lead, that he would rule and reign in the family, that his brothers would bow down to him. Now, it's not easy for the natural man to bow down to anybody including your family members. It's not easy for the natural man to bow, to honor the gifting and calling in another person, especially if it appears greater than your own. And his brothers despised him. They hated him. God puts preferments. God puts placements in a family. God puts gifting. God puts preferments in his spiritual family. And if we will walk honorably, the natural man can't bow, but the spiritual man can be humble enough to bow down and recognize the ministry and the gifting of others and support it rather than despise it and have hatred and jealousy in the heart. God has tampered the family and the body of Christ together. God has tempered our natural families in such a way, mixed the giftings in the father and the mother and the sons and the daughters that they should be honored so that family can rise with different strengths and different callings and giftings. But often what happens is people become jealous and they begin to tear and pull apart where God says, I want you to pull together. This is the gifting. This is the calling of God. 
Joseph's brothers envied him, it says. They despised him. They criticized and rejected him. Those brothers should have been doing what the Bible says to do. Those brothers should have been gathering around Joseph, wondering at the dream. What is in your heart, younger brother? They should have been praying about it, anticipating what is God going to do in the life of this brother of ours. But no, they turned in the fleshly way and went against him. Now we know what had happened to Joseph at the end. Joseph was taken down to Egypt and rose up as ruler in the land of Egypt, second only to the king, Pharaoh of Egypt. You say, well, did God make his brothers hate him and despise him so he could get Joseph on the throne in Egypt? And the answer is definitely no, because God will not tempt any man with evil. God will never incite anybody to wrongdoing. God did not incite those brothers to hate their younger brother, despise him, hate his dreams, so that God could somehow get him out of Canaan into Egypt. But what God will do in every circumstance, if our hearts are right and if we stay surrendered under mistreatment and trial, God will do as his word says in Genesis 50. They said, your brothers and these people meant this for evil against you, but I mixed it. I weaved this unto good for my purposes and the salvation of God. Can we take comfort in that this morning? It doesn't matter if we're despised and mistreated and cast aside and rejective. If we will keep our hearts right before God, he will mix and he will move and he will thread our life together so that we stand in the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because God means it for good. God will take our life and mean it for good. I learned years ago that when people mistreat me, God treats me and therefore I don't mind as much. Joseph, 17 years of age. One day his father sent him on an errand to his older brothers. They were keeping the flocks and herds some distance away from the tent dwellings where they were at as residents. And as the brothers saw Joseph coming across the field, they recognized him and the Bible says they hated him. And they said, let's put an end to this dreamer. Let's kill him and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. And at first they cast him into a pit they were going to take his life, but then some Ishmaelite traders, a caravan came by, coming down from northern Israel and Gilead, going down into Egypt with myrrh and balm and spices. And so they sold Joseph into the hands of those traders. And he was bound, and he went down the road with the caravan. And those brothers, so merciless in spirit, they had stripped Joseph's coat from him. They tore it to shreds. They dipped that coat in the blood of a kid of the goats. And they took it to Jacob, their father. And they said, we don't know what's happened to your son Joseph. Surely a wild beast has torn him, torn him apart. Look, here is his coat of many colors. And the Bible says that Jacob was overcome with grief. He mourned so deeply. He said, I will go to the, my grave in mourning over my son. And the weeks and the months and even the years went by and not one of those older brothers had the decency to tell their father what really happened to try and assuage some of his grief in hopes that Joseph might still be alive somewhere down in Egypt. Maybe I will see him again. Not one brother opened his mouth. The cries and anguish 
The Bible says, as they sold Joseph into the hands of those traitors and they bound him with ropes so he couldn't get away and they took him down the road, the cries and anguish of their brother piercing the air and their, their consciences were smitten. The Bible tells us years after they confessed that they were haunted by his cries. They were haunted by the terror-stricken eyes and the pleading for his life and that his ghost walked like a conscience or walked like a, their, their evil walked like a ghost in their evil consciences all the days of their life. Joseph, taken down into Egypt, sold as a slave, became faithful in his master's house, Potiphar, serving, diligent, well-mannered, respectful, conducted himself right. He was handsome. Potiphar's wife, Wanted to seduce him. He resisted in the name of the Lord. And then he was accused of impropriety. And because of that, he was cast into prison. We don't know how long he served as in the house before he was cast into prison, but it doesn't appear too long, maybe a year or two. Then he was taken into prison for many years for a crime he had not committed. And there he worked with God. There he labored with God over the dreams, over his surrender, over his life, his character, his calling, his holiness. Psalm 105 and verse 16 says, moreover, God called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in iron or his soul was laid in iron, the marginal says. His soul was laid in iron until the time that his word came to pass. Until the time that his word, his dream, came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tried him. The word of the Lord refined him. The word of the Lord held him. Because many things were coming to the surface. He was being refined by fire in those years. Attitudes and injustices and fears. Vengeance. Many things would surface out of his flesh life and he'd skim them off. That's not of God. That's not of God. I come against that. I'm going to hold to the word. Not to my fears and rejections and the insults cast against my life. The word of the Lord tried him. From age 17 till 30, he was under the trying of the word of the Lord. He was under extreme pressure and difficulty, extreme loss in his life, failures and fears, bound in a prison. And then in one day, sometimes one day is better than a thousand, he was raised out of the dungeon and out of the pit, and he came to sit on the throne of Egypt, second in command to the king Pharaoh, and he ruled the land power and presence of God on his life. He could interpret a dream of Pharaoh that no occultist or magician of Pharaoh's could interpret, but Joseph had the interpretation by the Spirit of God, and God knew the timing, and God knew where to place him. And Joseph said, Pharaoh, the dream that you have dreamed, there are going to be seven years of plenty in the land, great plenty in the land of Egypt the breadbasket of the Middle East. 
Then are coming seven years of severe famine, so grievous that the former seven years will have been forgotten and all the supply will be used up. And Pharaoh said, I'm putting you in charge of the whole project to oversee the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine. And in a day, Joseph was raised up to rule over Egypt. The famine came. And a year or two into the famine, for it was over the Middle East, Canaan affected to the north where Jacob and the brothers and families were living. And Jacob said, I, there's news, there's, there's bread for sale, there's grain for sale in Egypt. Brothers, I want you to go down. And so the brothers came down and they came before Joseph and Joseph recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. And they came once and they returned home. And again, they came a second time. And they were assembled before Joseph, and they were bowing before Joseph. And he made himself known the second time. Now, can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine that moment when Joseph told them who he was? Because Genesis 45 and verse 4 says in that moment, Joseph said to them, he said, I am Joseph. Imagine the shock, the disbelief. The dismay. Joseph, it can't be. The last time we saw you, we pushed you to the side of the road. We kicked you down the road. You were bound in chains. We heard your cries piercing the air. You were being handled by rough men so you couldn't get away. Joseph, it couldn't be, but it was. And in an instant, they recognized his face and his form and the Hebrew tongue. Now, 22 years had gone by, from 17 till 39, and now he stood before them. I am Joseph, and they couldn't believe what God had done in his life, that God had taken that broken young man, God had taken that rejected, despised, hated young brother of theirs who they sold into slavery and basically cast into a pit of death. They couldn't believe where he now reigned in the land with a gold chain about his neck, clothed in royalty and ruling in power and authority. I am Joseph. There are some of you here this morning that people don't recognize you today. They can't believe what has happened to you. The last time they saw you, you were bound in chains of sin and under darkness and addictions, under despair your life broken by depression and darkness and even disease. And people see you today and they say, I can't believe what's happened to that person. But you can say, I am Joseph, but the word of the Lord has come to my life. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of his salvation has come to my life. And yes, you may have a hard time recognizing me, but I am Joseph. Riding second in command in the land. It's a nice ride in the second chariot, isn't it? Pharaoh rides in the first. The king rides in the first. But the king said, Joseph, I'm putting you in the second chariot. We're going to rule and reign in life. We ride with the Lord. He is first, but we are second. He is first, but somehow, in the miracle of God, I know I'm second. I'm riding behind him. 
across the land in authority and power and strength. I rule and reign in life because of one Jesus Christ. We are all miracles this morning because of the word of the Lord and because the power of God has lifted us. He is first and we are second. But what a second it is. Some here this morning, perhaps like Joseph on a positive side, you've never been a great sinner. You grew up in a Christian family. You grew up with good morals and good lifestyle and you don't have great blot and stain and sin upon your life. It's like Joseph grew up serving the Lord and yet faced such mistreatment and suffering at times. But there is no recorded blot or stain or sin on his life. He was like all the rest of us. Sinful nature, principle of sin in his members, but no real stain, no recorded stain upon his life. And some of us are like that today. We grew up in Christian homes. We grew up in the kingdom of God. But still in our youth, we were bewildered. Insecure. We didn't know what to do, where we're going, fears, what's the future going to be like, what will I be in the future, what is the call of God, how will my life be unfold? But again, for us, the Spirit of the Lord has come, and the Word of the Lord has come, and He's raised us up, and some people that saw us in our childhood, and some people that even saw us in our teen years, when they look at us now, they hardly recognize us, because what God has done, the miracle that God has done in our lives. Yeah, I am Joseph. Some here like legion, driven by lusts and fears, whipped up by demonic spirits, bound in chains, a terror to the law enforcement, a grief to your parents. But the word of the Lord has come. Jesus has crossed the lake for you alone. Come for one man, and he went back. Jesus Christ came for you alone. And because of it, because his word has come, he broke the powers of sin and darkness. And because of it, you are clothed in robes of righteousness and garments of praise and glory. And you are in your right mind, the mind of Christ. And you're seated at the feet of Jesus, even this morning, taking in the word of God that comes out of the heavens for you. Hallelujah. Is there a Mary Magdalene in the house? Seven devils went out of her. And Jesus said, those who have been forgiven much, love much. The truth is, there's not a person here that shouldn't feel that way because we've all been forgiven much. We've all been forgiven much. Hallelujah. I am Joseph. Miracles, miracles of God. Every one of us redeemed by the power of God. We are the miracles of the Lord. The great I am. He is the great I am. And because of it, we are who we are in him. Now this morning I want to change gears a bit with this message and bring three lessons from the life of Joseph. Number one. Get into the presence of God and deal. (laughs) Get in the presence of God and deal. Not deal with your rejections, fears, wounds. That's secondary here. Get into the presence of God and deal with God. Deal 
concerning your rejections, your fears, your wounds, and your struggles. Genesis 39, let's read these words about Joseph. He had to deal in the presence of God, and so do each of us. This is his testimony recorded for us later. He said, the Lord was with me. He said, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. The Lord was with Joseph, and the blessing of the Lord began to prosper him and prosper the person that he served. Verse 21 of the same chapter, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. You know Joseph had to get into the presence of God and deal with God. God is looking to deal with men and women. God is looking to deal with you in your life, in your spirit, in your future. In Isaiah 1.18, God said, Come now, let us reason together. Let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, deeply dyed as scarlet cloth, they will be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will be as wool. God says, let's deal together. Let's deal together. If you will surrender of your, your life, if you will submit to my authority, if you will yield your life to Jesus Christ, though your sins be so dyed that no human person could ever extract them, yet by my presence and by my blood, I will wash you white as snow. God says, come on, I want to deal with men. Come to the gospel. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus Christ as your Savior. Honor him and receive his salvation in your life. God wants to deal with men. And Joseph had to deal with God. Deal with God. Lord, let's enter into an agreement. Let's enter into a partnership. Let's conduct, conduct some business together, Lord. I've got rejections. I've got fears. I don't know my future. It seems like the dreams have fallen to the ground. Lord, let's deal. Let's conduct some business transactions, you and me. Martin Smith was here a few weeks ago at our conference and sang that beautiful song, The Testimony of His Life, where as a little child, baby, I believe, his mother's arms, all of a sudden some lung infection, some respiratory ailment, and he was at the brink of death, and he sings how his mother prayed. My mother prayed that I'd make a noise. She said, if you do this for me, 
I will give my son back. Then I will give my son back. My father made a deal with God. And then he left me stranded in the arms of love. You took my breath away. How beautiful that I would learn to need you. You took my breath away to learn that I could never, ever live without you. And we know how that deal worked out, don't we? The sound, the lungs, the song, the breath of God, one of the greatest anointed minstrels, a David of our generation, because a man dealt with God and a mother dealt with God. Sometimes we have to deal with God. Jacob dealt with God. Said, Lord, he was fleeing from his brother who was out to kill him. Esau wanted to take his life. Jacob's fleeing for his life. At the rock at Bethel, he cried out to God. He said, God, if you will be my God and keep me, guide me, guard me everywhere I go so that I have bread to eat and clothes to put on, then you will be my God. And 10% of all finances I ever gather in this life will belong to you. I'll put the principle of tithing into operation. And we know how that deal worked out. Because Jacob was prospered and blessed of the Lord abundantly. God wants to deal with men. God wants to deal with us. Hannah, wanting a son so desperately that one day she made a vow. Lord, if you will give me a son... I'll give him back to you. He'll go and serve at the tabernacle of the congregation. He'll go and live in the house of the Lord. God, if you give me, own, my, uh, give me a son, even though it'll break my heart, I'll separate him unto you and I'll live alone at home and he'll be in the house of the Lord. God says, I'll deal with that. I'll deal with that. A son? More than a son. I'll give you a prophet. And for good measure, for a bonus, I'll throw in three more sons and two daughters that can live with you all the days of your life and bring you joy and pleasure. Hallelujah. God loves to deal. He knows the heart. He knows the sincerity of our hearts. Jephthah made a vow. And though he had to give his beautiful daughter over to the tabernacle service all the days of her life, Yet the Lord gave him a glorious and powerful victory in the land, so much so that he's noted in Hebrews 11 in the chapter of faith, the great hall of faith, the great men and women of God. David had vows on his life. He said, I will pay the vows that I have made when I was in trouble. He said, Pastor Ron, do you have vows on your life? Have you ever made vows? I sure have. And I could tell you two of them this morning, but I won't. <laughs> I have vows with God on my life. You say, well, Pastor Ron, isn't that kind of binding? Isn't that kind of restricting? What if you want to, you know, pull back and do your own thing? That's one reason I have vows on my life, because I don't want to pull back and do my own thing. And my vows protect me in spirit and soul and body to serve the Lord. Get into the presence of God and deal with God and see what he'll do with your life. Number two, be as diligent, faithful, meticulous, and holy as Joseph in all his ways. Faithful, Joseph. 
no matter where he was. Under his father Jacob, the house of Potiphar, in the prison, ruler of the land, he was absolutely faithful and diligent. No matter where he was, he honored authority. He honored authority. He served his masters. He kept a right spirit. He stayed holy before the Lord. Such a beautiful witness of the Lord in his life. The Bible says these words in Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown, obscure, common men. And how true that was of Joseph. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings in honor, in promotion before the Lord. What a word of the Lord for our lives. This is one of the ways of God, that we must conduct ourselves faithfully and meticulously and properly at all times. Joseph went to work every day, and you know the heartache he was dealing with, torn from his family, the sorrow, the fears. But he didn't wear his emotions on his sleeve at work. He went to work, and he worked like there was no issue in his life. And if he had to deal with his discouragement and brokenness, he went after work into the presence of God and called out to the Lord for healing and washing and renewal and strength of vision and recovery of sight to his eyes. Hallelujah. When he was taken down into Egypt, Potiphar's house, he was so faithful, so diligent, a Hebrew slave, a young man at 17, so faithful, so honoring of authority that it wasn't long before Potiphar said, I'm not even going to look at the books. I don't even have to oversee this young man in his work. He takes care of my finances. He takes care of my house. I don't have to look after a thing because that is how absolutely trustworthy he is. When he was cast into prison, it wasn't long before he was running the prison. He was the jailkeeper. A prisoner in charge of the prison. No riots there. Everything in order. Everything peaceful. The prisoners never had it so well because it says the blessing of the Lord was upon them. The blessing of the Lord even began to rest in the peace of God in that prison and how he served so faithfully. So faithfully that the keeper of the prison above him left all matters in Joseph's hand. I can just sit back and relax. I know the prison's taken care of. When he came up to rule the land under Pharaoh at 30 years of age, again, so faithful, so honorable, Pharaoh said, can we find <clears throat> such a <clears throat> man as this, one as this, in whom the Spirit of God is? He said, there's no one like this Joseph, there's no one like him in all the land. <clears throat> all the people I know, all my magistrates, all my officers, all my court, all the young men in the kingdom here in Egypt, there's not one of them like Joseph. That's the kind of reputation he had. Faithful, diligent, meticulous, precise, well-mannered, well-spoken, holy. The Spirit of God had worked that into him. Now, I'd venture to say that most probably there's not a person here that has some regret concerning the past, how we've acted, what we've said, what we've done. 
but there's nothing stopping us from carrying a Joseph spirit into the future from this day forward where we say, I want that anointing of Joseph on my life and I want to learn by the Spirit of God to walk like he did and be faithful and diligent in all my ways. Number three, honor the prophetic gap. Mind the gap, huh? Honor the prophetic gap between the word of the Lord and the fulfillment of the word. Honor the gap, the prophetic gap between the word of the Lord, the promise of God that's come to you, your family, your life, your calling, and the fulfillment of that word. Because there are some years that will probably, most definitely, take place because the Lord is working. Even when I can't feel it, he's working. <laughs> Even when it's unknown to my mind or spirit, he's working because he's always working. And we need to submit our hearts to the process of the Lord in our lives. Psalm 106, 18 to 22, again, concerning Joseph, it says, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The timing of the Lord is in the Lord's hands, not ours. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders the word and ways of God, wisdom. Pastoring Egypt. Sharing with all the elders, all the officers of Egypt, the word and ways of God, telling them about Jehovah and who he was and what he can do for them and the salvation he's been provided. What a place. But there were many years, from 17 till 30, till he really saw the beginning of that word come to pass and then it folded out over many years after that. There's a process, there's a time, and we must be patient when the word of the Lord comes until the time of the fulfillment of the word of the Lord. Where is the promise of his coming? The apostle Peter said many people will start to scoff. Where is the promise of his coming? Did God really speak to my life? Was that a true word he gave to me, confirmed in the mouth of witnesses? David was so discouraged at one point under the testing and trying and refining of his faith, waiting for fulfillment of the word of the Lord, that he cried out, all men are liars. All men, including the prophets. Because the word of the Lord had come and said that he would be king. But you know what David said in 1 Samuel 27, 1? I will one day perish by the hand of Saul. But David came to his senses quickly and realized that he was speaking just out of the flesh, but in his spirit he still held to the word of God. Look at Psalm 116, verses 8 to 11. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed. He said, I believed even though I said I am greatly afflicted. He said, I believed. I had a lapse of faith and I almost lost my vision. But he said, I held to it. I believed. Even though I said these words, I'm greatly afflicted. I, I said in my haste, all men are liars. David was under severe trial. Can you imagine 17 years of age or 16 years of age and the greatest prophet 
in the land, Samuel, comes to your house and chooses you out from among your brothers, pours the holy oil upon you and prophesies over you that you're going to be king of all Israel? Wow. Spirit of the Lord came on David that day. He was never the same again. Went out and killed a lion. Went out and killed a bear. 17 years of age, he took out Goliath, champion of Gath. Then they came back to the city and the pretty young maidens were singing. David has slain his ten thousands. Now that's pretty heady stuff, even for a young man as humble as David was. But then came the testing and the trying. Five years, seven years, a fugitive, maligned in character. Where's the word of the Lord? Criticized. Spoken of in evil manner. Many people in the country didn't trust him anymore because of the rumors and slander that had gone out against his name. People of God in the land thought he was a rebel. Ten years, twelve years, and finally at 30 years of age, he was given Judah. He ruled the southern kingdom of Judah, and at 37, he ruled the entire nation of Israel. The word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came. Habakkuk 2, verses 2 to 3, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. What kind of words are these? Though it tarries and then it will not tarry. You know, this scripture, while I look at it this morning, is very, very dear to my heart because a prophet of the Lord prophesied this word over my life when I was 17 years of age. And I've pondered this word and I've thought about this word and this word has held me so, through so many struggles and times and attacks and different situations of ministry and life. The Lord answered me, write the vision, the prophetic vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. For all of us, when the Lord speaks, there's an appointed time for our fulfillment and the future and what he wants to do with us. He said at the end, it will speak. It will not lie because God is not a man that he should lie. What he has spoken, he will fulfill. Let God be true and every man a liar, including this man, if I speak against the word of the Lord on my life. In God, I will praise his word. Said at the end it will speak and will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Don't get too impatient. Don't get too impatient with the word of the Lord on your life. But say, Lord, though it tarry, it will surely come. And this is how the word of the Lord works in our life. It tarries, and then it comes. And then it tarries again, and it comes. And it tarries another time, and it comes again. And God leads us from glory to glory into the fulfillment of his vision and calling for our lives, for our family, and for the kingdom of God. How many can say amen today? Let's stand before the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let the Spirit of the Lord speak to your heart this morning.
perhaps some here that need to deal with God. We deal humbly, we deal respectfully, but we deal before the Lord for our lives, our future, our families, our destiny. We deal with God for the ministry, for the success of our churches, for the furtherance of the gospel. Maybe some here this morning that need to take a lesson from Joseph and become more submitted to authority and more faithful at work, more punctual, more precise, more diligent. Wouldn't it be nice for every employer of every person here to be able to say, can we find such a one as this in the land? The Spirit of the Lord is upon him or her. Perhaps some this morning that are tested and tried. Where's the promise of his coming? How long, Lord? When's this word going to be fulfilled? I've waited four, five, ten, fifteen years. Well, the Lord will give you enough glimpses and encouragement of fulfillment along the way so you won't cast away your confidence. And God forbid we cast away our confidence and fall to unbelief, lest there be in any of us an evil heart of unbelief in departing from what the Lord has said. Maybe some here this morning need to anoint your eyes with eye salve. Lord, I need fresh vision. I know what you said to me. Darkness has come. It's like my eyes have been clouded and blurred. I've had so many difficulties and situations and things spoken and so many things that look like impasse, but I'm anointing my eyes afresh this morning. I'm coming back to the word of the Lord. Maybe like David, you said, all men are liars, including the prophets, but David came to his senses and said, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And God wants every one of us to see his goodness. And God wants every one of us to ride in the second chariot in the land with him, rule and reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Let's worship the Lord together this morning.